guys. Thanks for joining us on Jill's of All Trades podcast. I'm Cinnamon with Country Crafts YouTube channel. And I'm, yes, <laughs> and I'm Julianne with Dirt Patch Heaven, which is also a YouTube channel and a website. Uh, and we're actually really excited about today's topic. Um, uh, we're going to learn a lot about it. So uh, before, well, I guess I can't really say before I tell you what it's about. You guys know the title, so... <laughs> Um, we're going to go ahead and start it off like we always do. Uh, but this time we're actually going to go ahead and talk about what's, uh, going on in our neck of the woods as far as YouTube channels. Um, I have my own that I do with my husband and Julianne has her own, which is homesteading and a bunch of other different things that are really cool, very educational. Um, so Julianne, I'm going to go ahead and throw the ball in your court. Uh, what are you working on with your channel? Like what's going on with every, with, uh, your videos and stuff. What are you working on? Uh, well, we just sold the majority of our food storage, which was really scary. Uh, we've sold our livestock, which was very hard and very scary. Um, we've always been a family that created and made as much food as we could on our own property. And so we've kind of cut ties a little bit and we're trying to figure out how to put food storage in an RV. And um, we're going to be traveling this winter because my husband is no longer working so we're not tied down anymore and um, just seeing how other people are homesteading uh, the tips and tricks the other channels have and so we're going to be going and visiting other channels and visiting homesteads and farms and there's you know there's a lot of people out there with some really amazing skills that don't have the media figured out yet and so their secrets and their amazing things that they're doing nobody can benefit from them and so that's kind of what we're aiming for is to go out and find out what other people are doing and kind of bring it to the masses it's really awesome because um it's almost like every subject or every area um that you learn about there's so much that goes into it like um mm -hmm. just once i started getting into gardening uh i think i'm in my fourth summer now of like you know trying to keep up a garden doing that kind of stuff and I I'm still learning like there's and I even talked to I think it was like an 80 year old couple and they're like yep we're still learning too like there's always something to learn so that's actually a very good opportunity um, to learn different skills and stuff that they might do every single day but if you've never heard of it you know it can be fun and exciting and new to do also and what an education yeah. your girls are going to get because you have your two girls are you know and your husband the four of you guys are going to be going to these different places and learning different stuff like talk about hands-on like I would have loved that when I was little right. and you know not that many people who go to public schools I'm not totally knocking it or anything like that but um my client one of my clients and I today were actually talking about you know they're in school for nine hours a day and if you think about like how much stuff they actually learn in those nine hours, it could totally be condensed. You know what I mean? And to have the hands-on experience of different areas is such a blessing. So that's really awesome. So you guys are going to be filming on on that stuff right now. Are you guys um, filming right now, like what you're selling and that kind of stuff, or um, just the whole process of packing? Um, a lot of what we're learning, because when we come back, we won't be coming back to this house. We're renting this house out um, because I have so many fruit trees and I have all the watering systems set up. It didn't make sense. I didn't want to leave the property. I just didn't want the house anymore. And, and I know that sounds really callous, but um, 
with how much work a homestead is, the bigger your house is, the less you get done because you have to keep the house up. And so when we come back, we want somebody to be in the house that loves the house, that needs a house with this much space. So the family that's renting, they have seven children under the age of 10. And um, they, they really need a house this size. Whereas with only my two girls, we had a whole extra story that we didn't need. And so our plans are that after the six months when we come back, we will put a little cabin in a back corner of our property and continue to uh, water fruit trees and plant fruit trees. And um, that way the farm itself won't be a burden on our renters. They can, they can plant a garden. They can do everything they want to do. They can harvest from the fruit trees. The kids are welcome. But they won't have to necessarily have the responsibility of keeping track of 300 fruit trees um whoa I didn't know you had that many (laughs) we have a lot of fruit trees and fruit bushes and perennial spots and so it seems like a good fit we don't need the big house and we wouldn't have to pay our mortgage anymore they would be paying the mortgage and so we'd be free to live and to travel and to um invest in our lives rather than investing in a in a house if that makes sense I think that's a lot of society um you know who has the biggest house who has you know so many possessions and stuff but and it, it's funny because you always see these different, um, I don't want to call them lifetime movies, but, you know, like different movies where they find out in the end the most important thing is family and people, you know. Right. Uh, but they always have to go through some stuff in order to find it. And I just, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, at least I feel like there are a lot of people who are um, starting to get the gist of that, you know, that, right. that that's what's important and stuff. So that's that's really awesome. Um so I have a real quick question, like thinking about 300 trees, that is amazing. Um, so I know that there's some places that you can actually buy, like, you know, trees are very small and stuff, like the young mm-hmm. ones and stuff. Would you suggest uh, planting it from seed first or would you suggest like getting those trees and then seeing if there's fruit and stuff from them? Because I know, I, I, I mean, I know there's a timeline difference. It'll right. obviously take longer if it's from seed, but is there any kind of benefit? fact you know or benefits from doing from seed anything that you plant from seed will have a taproot which is hugely beneficial to the tree to have that taproot anytime you dig a tree up you lose the taproot you lose the integrity of those the roots in that soil and so is it fantastic to grow things from seed as far as the integrity of the plant itself yes 100 percent yes if you want the predictability of big fruit, um, size of tree, flavor of fruit, then you need to have something that was grafted. And mm-hmm. so we have a huge mix. Uh, what we did initially is we went to Coldstream Farm, and I think it's coldstreamfarm.net. They're in Michigan. And they have trees for like $1.50 a piece that come as seedlings. Their roots are intact. They're in really good shape. Um, we get them as... Um, bare root trees and so like seriously a dollar fifty a tree and what they are is they're wild trees that were grown from seed and um that doesn't mean that their fruit doesn't taste good their fruit tastes fantastic they're hardy trees but it means that you can get into a lot of fruit trees to put in shelter belts to put in food for your your wild animals and your birds to give um you know, to to give food for you to harvest. It's not as predictable what the flavor of the fruit will be, but it's still fruit. And 
Um, so what we did is we put in initially, we put in six grafted fruit trees that were the trees that we knew they were the variety we wanted. They were expensive. They were between 50 and $60 a piece. Ooh. They were not bare root. They were in pots. We got them from an, a local nursery, not for, not through a mail order catalog because that way we knew they would survive in our area. We mm -hmm. planted those. We took really, really, really good care of them. And now here we are four years later and all of them are bearing heavily. And so now we have our normal fruit. But at the same time, I planted hundreds of these little wild fruit trees. And they're, they are producing fantastically. And now, now that I have everything started, and I know that I'm already watering these spots, now I'm going through and I'm digging shallow trenches where we're dumping all of our fruit pits from our trees that we've already planted into these spaces, putting a little dirt on and then covering them with manure so that we can create more shelter belts that are actually started from seed, which will have stronger root systems and do better in droughts and things like that. So you you want to, you kind of want to do all of them. You want grafted fruit trees for predictability of fruit. You want the wild crafting trees because they're going to be tough and they fill in all those niches and they make really good shelter belts for wind and pollution and that kind of thing. And then you do want to start things from seeds and um, it just makes your landscape and your food system more vibrant to do it all three ways. That is awesome. <laughs> like I said earlier, you know, every area that you get to know, there's there's so much to learn about it. Like even mm -hmm. just trees and the whole grafting and and everything that it can help. Like when we went and we talked about that book that talked that, you know, uh, like with flooding and all that other kind of stuff, how like when you plant these things and you have like the whole ecosystem working together and, you know, I, mm -hmm. the mudslides and all that because of taking down all these, you know, all this stuff. I just, I don't know. It all works together so, you know, very nicely. So I think that's it does. awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, for our YouTube channel, um, Derek is a part of uh, – the lawn business community on YouTube. And he's also a part of like the woodworking uh, community. Um, so they have this contest. I'm not sure whose channel it's off of, but it's basically a pallet contest, um, you know, creating something with pallets. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think it's due by tomorrow. Um, and so Derek has been like crunch time working on that. And uh, he's, you know, the video of what he's making is going to be up. It's definitely something worth checking out. Um, so, and we have enough viewers now that we actually, you can go to youtube.com slash country crafts and it'll go directly to the YouTube channel. Well, and he has some really fun other mm -hmm. projects. Some of the things that he's come up with, not just like the projects themselves, but being able to put his videos together in an entertaining way uh, I mean, editing is one of the hardest things you do at, yeah. as a YouTuber. And so being able to take something that would, you know, if you didn't have music to it and you hadn't cut it up a certain way, it wouldn't be entertaining. And some of Derek's videos that are of just the most mundane things have turned out <laughs> exceptionally entertaining because he's a really good video editor. Like like loading up a lawnmower onto a trailer. Who would think that that could be entertaining? And yet, it was very entertaining to watch him do all the things that are involved with his work. Uh, well, thank you. He, um, he just told me that it's okay if I kind of like signaled over there <laughs> he said you can tell him what I'm making um when you first walk in from our breezeway uh you walk into a door and straight ahead of you is 
like a hallway that goes downstairs into the basement, but it has a back wall, you know, that's obviously above the stairwell. And then to the right, you know, you go into a door that goes into the kitchen. So right there against that back wall. So when you first walk in, um, he's going to have a sensor on it. And when somebody turns the sensor on, it's going to light up and um, it's going to be a sign that has, uh, it's a raised wood, like it's bordered by, um, by pallets and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. um, it says welcome on it and it'll have LED lights and stuff too. So that when somebody walks in, it'll automatically light up and stuff. So it's pretty pretty cool. He, um, he's been working a lot on it. So I'm really excited. I, it's nice to see, you know, different stuff come together and the different steps. And he does it in a way that, you know, some sometimes when you watch YouTube videos and it's kind of like do it yourself or something, you're like sitting there waiting. You're like, okay, okay. You're like, and then all of a sudden you take your mouse and you kind of fast forward to like the end because you're like, right? I just want to see, you know, <laughs> but he, he does have a way of, you know, editing it where it's, yeah. it's still entertaining. You don't notice that you're still watching it and stuff. So he's, right. it's definitely one he's of He's an exceptional talents. editor. Yeah, for yes. so, I've I've been doing it for three years, and he has picked it up so fast. I mean, I don't I don't know how long I, how long have you guys had your YouTube channel? Because um, if if well, you've only been doing the... it as long as I've been watching, he is just he is a fast study. I, I want to say in January is when we started. Uh, yeah, really paying kind of paying attention to YouTube and and then going from there. So yeah, about eight months. Um, That's amazing. But probably a little bit less than that, actually, because I know in January is when he started um, Country Crafts and started, you Mm -hmm. know, deciding to make uh, rustic signs and like just different, you know, woodworking type stuff. Um, So, yeah, less than eight months. uh, And he's getting better at stuff. He once he learns something, he's very good with, you know, uh, keep going on with it and stuff. So, yeah, that's what we're working on our channel right now. me, I've been very, I have, I've been canning a lot and stuff. So, um, I saw your pickles. I saw oh. your fresh pack. <laughs> yeah. My, my sisters, uh, came over. Thank goodness. Because I, I was just kind of like, I looked at all of those and I'm like, I do not want them to go bad because, um, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I cannot stand wasted food. You know, yeah. it, it's one of the biggest things that just, you go through all that work to get that produce. And then when it comes out and here's the thing, I planted things at different times so that all the harvest would come at different times. But since we had our drought, like everything decided to come at the same time, like regardless of, you know, planting it at different times. So it's been a little, um, I've been very blessed with a lot of food and I'm just trying to handle all of it. (laughs) Right. But, um, yeah, because one of my clients actually is giving me all of their grapes that are coming in. So I'm picking them oh, in two days. So yeah. I do need a recipe for um, one of them or another one of my clients said that they had a freezer jam recipe. So yeah. I'm going to mm. ask her about that because, you know, I, I don't have one. So I think one of our next podcasts might, you know, include with canning and stuff like maybe some recipes That's and stuff right. like that. We, that we talked about that do. earlier, didn't we? Yeah, I totally forgot. Yeah, because I think it would be really fun if we did one on canning and other ways to preserve. Because some people can't handle a lot of sugar. Yeah. And so being able to, um, or they don't handle something that's been highly processed. And so having a way to to preserve your food 
that doesn't involve a lot of sugar and maybe isn't in glass jars. You have your dehydrating, you have your oil preservation, you have your salt. That's right. We were talking about we were, we were. going to do that. Okay, let's we were, that we be forgot, our next didn't one we? then. Okay, yes. We'll do it. We'll have we that one. Do that, that was probably next. supposed to be this one and then we... <laughs> but this one is a good one too. It'll be yes, fun. I, I do. I like this one too. So let's actually go ahead and jump into our uh, scripture verse and then we'll get going on the conversation. So I'm actually going to have you go ahead and lead us off and okay. tell us what you picked. Okay, I have James 2.16, and it is about faith and works. And it says, um, if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? And kind of talking about, well, yes, I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to bless this person by giving them emotional encouragement. But if you see that they're hungry and you see that they are in need physically, but you don't do anything for them, then you're kind of under condemnation as kind of like sending happy smiley faces in that direction. But you're the person who's physically present, as I get caught in my microphone, you're the person who's physically present as the hand of the Lord to help these people. And so you need to, but you cannot give out of an empty cup which means that if you're living on the edge yourself and you're not um, kind of anticipating contingencies, then when the Lord needs you to be there to be able to help other people, you have nothing to give. And so today we're talking about uh, what's called a bug out bag or a 72-hour kit or a car emergency kit, which is a way to be physically prepared in case there's ever a need for for your own family or for people that you might, you know, come across that you could physically help. I went ahead and picked First uh, Peter 5, 8. Um, part of it that I'm going to pull from it does have to do with ours. But, you know, if you just read it, it doesn't really. <laughs> but I really do like this um, verse. And so I'll read the verse and then I'll tell you why. It's First Peter 5, 8. And it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Um, the reason why I really like this verse is because... Um, there's a lot of times where I will see friends or just whoever who are going through a bad time. And if they're not necessarily a Christian, they're automatically like, oh, why is God doing this? And, you know, and it's like, you know, you don't really uh, say when something's good going on, good that's going on. You don't really say, you know, or think of it automatically that God's doing it. You only think if something's bad going on that it would be God. And so I like to tell him, you know, if you think about the descriptions of God and the description of the devil, who do you think it sounds like? Because it says that God wants to uh, give us life and give us life more abundantly. Okay. And then it says in this verse, the devil seeks to destroy. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so yeah. um, if you're having those moments in your life where uh, you're getting devoured and something bad is happening, I, I don't necessarily think it's God doing it. God will get you through it. That's what he's there for. Um, right. But so that's why I like the verse. And I kind of picked that verse because um, the beginning of it where it says to be sober, be vigilant. Um, mm -hmm. When you're sober and even thinking about the way that most people will think about it, you know, if you're not drunk, uh, your attention spans better. Well, depending. <laughs> uh, your attention spans better. Your range of motions better. Your reaction times better. You're more alert. You're more, you know, going to stick to your what is it? inhibitions or, or right you know what I mean you're, like you're you're, you're more awake you're more alert yeah. and everything and yeah 
And so when it says be sober, like it tells us that we're supposed to be alert and aware of like basically our surroundings and what's going on. And so I think that if we are going to be vigilant and we're going to be sober, it also pertains to, you know, making sure that we're aware of things that could happen um, and to be prepared for it. Uh, so I definitely wanted to talk about um, bug out bags and stuff. Um, the first thing I did want to talk about uh, was from kind of like an organizing point of view, there are certain things that you are going to want in your car. Um, I keep a roll of paper towels and uh, in the very back for big spills. And then I keep like in the passenger's side the, down there, I keep napkins um, because there's a lot of time where you'll spill something in the car and then you're like, oh my gosh, I have absolutely nothing to, you know, and especially if you have kids. So this is just kind of like a little bit of an organizing tip. <laughs> so yeah. like, you know, having napkins down there and then something also important is obviously having a first aid kit. Cause like right. there's always those things like when you're outside of your house and something happens and you know exactly what you need for them, but you're like, oh my gosh, I don't have them. And so, uh, Julianne and I were actually talking about, um, for women, I, I, and I have some in my car. Um, I have extra like sanitary napkins and stuff because you don't ever want to go out. What if like your purse gets stolen or, you know, or you're out in the middle of nowhere and you have (laughs) nothing, you know, that's something that you would definitely need if you are away from your house and stuff. So, um, for as far as bug out bags, there's different, you know, things that people call on the you know, emergency kits or, you know, bug out bags and stuff. So um, I'm going to let Julie kind of go ahead and uh, start to talk about this. Um, and it, it does depend where you live too, uh, with temperatures and um, just situation you might find yourself in. So what, um, what type of things would you pack, Julie, if you were having, like, you have a bug out bag, right? Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. I do. <laughs> Did you want to talk about it? (laughs) Sure. Um, The most important thing about a bug out bag is to understand why you would need one. Why would you need something? The reason a lot of people talk about a bug out bag is like a zombie apocalypse type of a thing. But that's kind of a silly thing because, you know, yeah, there's emergencies in life, but you're not necessarily preparing for something catastrophic. If, if you instead think, what would be some good things that would make my life more convenient if I had a slight emergency away from home? And so I like to think of them as like a car emergency kit. And in the, in the LDS church, they, they established something that's called a 72-hour kit. And so that it didn't have like a scary name. And I was raised in the LDS church and my parents were really, really big into preparedness. And the purpose, so, so I like to go with kind of like a 72 hour kit type of a mentality is what would you put into a pack if you had 72 hours? Because that's kind of the time buffer that like the federal government gives as far as like, it would be good to have three days worth of goods in your home. If there was any kind of an emergency, if if mm-hmm. for some reason you couldn't get to a grocery store, you need three days worth of food in your home. And so having something in your car that would allow you to survive for three days is what I think is a wise thing to do. 
Now, when you're thinking about something that's like a preparedness kit, a bug out bag, a 72 hour kit is portability. You want it to be small enough that you can lift it. You want mm -hmm. the things in it to be light enough and not bulky enough that you are capable of moving it. Um, if you have small children, my opinion is, is that you should always have a stroller of some kind in your vehicle so that if for whatever reason you ever had to leave your vehicle, you would be able to carry your 72-hour kit with you without also having to carry a small child. So they make the little jogging strollers now that have the nice big wheels on them. And having something like that that's compactable in your vehicle is a really good idea because if you're carrying a 50-pound pack, it would be difficult to also then carry a 30-pound child for very mm -hmm. far. And so... It, like you said, it all kind of goes back to who are you, where are you, what are what is something that would be likely to happen, the most likely thing to happen, and prepare for that. And so if you live in Arizona, you wouldn't want to pack a snowsuit into your 72-hour <laughs> kit. You'd want sunscreen. You'd want a long sleeve shirt. You'd want a good pair of of sneakers, some tennis shoes, and you'd want to make sure that you always had water in your vehicle. Um, I do have a question about that real yes. quick. Mm -hmm. um, I do know uh, Derek and I went on, um, we went to California and um, we had water in our car and stuff. And we, we'd heard of, you know, different bug out bags and like kits and that kind of stuff. And they always said, you know, well, it's very important to keep water in your car. But the thing is, is that, you know, when you have water bottles and it's plastic and then the, it heats up, like, doesn't it release toxins into the water? So would you keep it in glass or what would you, that's um, what I, I was kind of wondering about that. Um, yeah. I, the difficulty with glass is that if you ever got in an accident, like you've got safety yeah. glass in your windows in your vehicle that when they break, they chunk. Whereas if you have like canning jars or something in the back of your vehicle, when they break, they're going to shard. And so, um, yes, you do have toxins that leach in with plastic. However, um, water, if, if you have bottled, if you drink bottled water, it gets shipped to and from all the way across the United States in big trailers <laughs> and it's not in a cooled condition. You know, the only thing that gets put into a cooled truck is like fruits and vegetables that are fresh. And so if you drink bottled water, you're getting those toxins anyway. And hopefully this will be a 72 hour situation. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're, the, the thing is you get estrogens and you, you get all sorts of nasty things, yes, in plastic. But, they're, you know, most people nowadays eat out of plastic, drink out of plastic. They have styrofoam, which is full of toxins, but they have their coffee in styrofoam. And so as far as a three-day situation, you're, are, you know, you would, you're already loading yourself up with plastic if, you're, if you live the standard American lifestyle. And so that three days having that water there without having to also worry about the hazards of shards of glass in the back of your vehicle in an accident. Right. Um, the other thing is, in my opinion, having some way to, you know, when they when they do driver's ed, remember how they used to talk about how anything in your vehicle that's not held down is a projectile? Do you remember right. that? Um, um, I actually waited until I was 18 and I went and got my 
my driving permit. And then an hour later, I went and got my driver's license because we lived uh-huh. in town. So I walked everywhere. So I didn't go through driver's ed. <laughs> oh, well, okay. So in driver's ed, they tell you even a box of tissue in an accident, it becomes a projectile and it can hit you in the head. It can hurt you. For instance, my little brother was in a really, really, really bad accident. And he happened to have his textbook on his lap while uh, they were driving and when they got hit. And that textbook actually hit into his belly so hard that it it, um, it actually dissected his inte- his large intestines yeah. from the force. And so, you know, as far as um, things like a five-gallon uh, big square thing of water, which is what I would have in my uh, car as a as a an amount of water if I was, for instance, if I lived in the desert, I'd want a five-gallon thing of water. Finding a way to strap these things down, um, or having one of those cargo cages that separates your cargo area from your passenger area, right, um, is probably a good safety measure, regardless. Um, but. That, that I don't know if that's beside the point or if that's along the point, but uh, thinking of those kind of safety issues. Um, but back to the pack. Uh, in in winter, back to the water. In winter, if we had water in our vehicle, then right. it would be a problem because you would have it freezing. And so it would burst your containers anyway. So mm-hmm. in the winter, if you had a situation like that, if you were an area that had... Um, a lot of snow, you would probably be able to get away with um, hydration through snow. You don't want to eat snow because it um, takes down your core temperature. So instead what you would do is maybe have a plastic bag in your 72-hour kit that you would fill with snow, Ziploc, and then put inside, you know, not next to your skin, but inside your coat that would melt the snow and then you could use like one of those life straws to drink the water like that if you knew you were in an area that was going to have a lot of snow you know you'd want your own personal amount of water in the vehicle i'm Um, glad that you brought up life straw because mm -hmm. um i have one of my clients actually that i had today uh she listens to the podcast and stuff and so um I'm like, yeah, today we're doing it on, you know, bug out bags and stuff. She goes, oh, yeah, my cousin, like, <laughs> uh, is, is all about them and has this, this, and this. And I'm like, wait, what all does they have? And so she, she was telling me about the life straw. So if mm-hmm. you don't know what the life straw is, um, what it is is it's basically kind of like a, a straw or whatever. You put it into water so you can put it in a stream. You can put it in, you know, whatever. And it actually filters and I think it can filter up to a thousand gallons. Is that what it said? Of water? I think it depends on which system you have. I don't remember what the little individual ones are, but they're teeny. Like they're they're teeny and so convenient. Yeah. And um she was saying that like, you know, uh it has all the basically um FDA, like it's, you know, over and beyond their expectations and stuff, you know, like their uh kind of guidelines and stuff. And uh yeah, it filters it out, and if anybody's watching it, it looks like this, and so it's just a tube, and you can get it on Amazon for fourteen eighty nine for one, and um, yeah, if we get our, we're, we're right now we're working. Um, I'm getting my canning and all that kind of stuff done. Julie's in the middle of uh, 
packing and moving and doing all that (laughs) stuff. So we are working on getting our Amazon store up. So then you can just go to our website and anything that we talk about will be right there for you. So you don't have to like search it out or worry if you got the wrong one or anything like that. So, um, we're hopefully going to have that up soon. So we'll definitely have the link for the life straw if anybody's interested. I'm kind of interested in it because I mean, if you come across, you know, if you're camping and something happens and, you know, you don't have enough water or something like that, or just any kind of, if there is a catastrophe or anything like that, you didn't bring enough water or, you know, you wanted to go through the snow like you were talking about and, you know, make sure that it was nice and filtered and stuff. You could use that that straw and just put it in and it filters it for you. So yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, I, I think the live straw is an amazing invention. It used to be that you'd use iodine uh, tablets or I right. mean, you can always boil it, but nowadays there's more stuff in the water than just um, like fecal matter or, or, or parasites. There's more than just that in the water now. Now we have uh, toxicity from runoff from farmers' fields. We have other kinds of contamination that can't just be taken out with with boiling it. Although I do think boiling is a great idea, and it, and if it's all you have, you can do that. But in a 72-hour situation, you don't want to be carrying a lot around a lot of fuel. Um, you don't want to be. Uh, it's meant to be a very very simple kit. And so in this is how I like to say get ready for pretty much any kind of localized emergency is put together a pack that you could go camping with for three days where you actually were carrying your pack and you weren't walking, you weren't just walking into a campsite where you had to hike to a campsite and you were going to do it for three days. If you do that and and kind of um, specialize it for your own local area, you'll be just fine. Because um, you you'll you'll have everything you need. Because if you're walking into that campsite, you have to take everything. Um, so I do think it's helpful not just to have enough water, but to to have a life straw. Um, the next thing, let's see if I have it on me. The next thing that I would always make sure to put in an emergency kit is a multi-tool. I like Leatherman because they have a lifetime guarantee. If one of them breaks down, if part of it breaks, you just send it back to them and they send you a brand new one. And I like, I like one that has pliers on it because, you know, it's, it's really nice to have pliers and Mm -hmm. I like, I would like to have one that has tweezers in it, but my husband bought me this one as a gift and and it wasn't one with tweezers in it, but I wish it did just because sometimes you get those little (laughs) splinters and stuff and it's it's nice to be able to get something like that out. Um, I, it also has the, um, the Phillips and the flathead screwdriver which is really nice and really convenient. And mine has a can opener, which means that if you're out camping or somewhere and what you did bring was uh, tin cans, you can get into the tin cans if you lost your can opener. Um, You just always wanna have a knife. Having rope is also exceptionally helpful um, for whatever reason. It, you know, if, if for some reason, like if your pack were to break, you could take and, and tie the arms together on a shirt and turn that into a pack as long as you have some string. Um, you don't have to have a lot of it, but it does need to be strong. And um, you don't want cotton. You want it to be nylon. That kind of um, reminds seen- me of like a boondock saints when he's like, why are you grabbing the rope? That. And he's like, uh, they're, they're going in. It's kind of a bad movie, but they're going into this 
place, like uh, this closet type thing that has all these guns and they're preparing to, you know, go into whatever. And then he grabs the rope and he's like, why are you grabbing rope? And he's like, we may need it, you know, and they end up yeah. falling through like uh, a roof and the rope yeah. like holds them up and stuff. And they, you know, go through the action scene or whatever. And then at the end, they're like, see, I told you we need the rope. Right. <laughs> you, you do. You really need rope. You know, if you were in bear country, if you had rope, you could tie your pack up in a tree it you know if you had to do something like that if you needed mm-hmm. to be able to drag something you you could drag it you could hold things together there there's so much you can do with rope um on the same lines make sure you have in a pair of really good gloves i like yeah. to use leather gloves that are like expensive gloves but for a 72 hour kit they don't have to be i wouldn't necessarily use rubber rubberized gloves like gardening gloves i would i I would get at least a cheap pair of leather gloves. They'll save you in in a situation where if you had to do something with firewood or you had to move something, if there was glass somewhere, you were helping it in accident, it would be really nice to have some gloves. Um, and I always want to have a pair of closed-toed shoes in my pack. You know, if you ran out of the house in flip-flops and there was an accident somewhere and you needed to help somebody or you were hurt yourself... You know, you don't want to be exposing your toes to glass if it was winter. Sandals would, you know, some people even in winter will go out in sandals or or some other kind of footwear. If you have shoes in your pack, you know that you just, you know that they're there. Um, let's see, anything else? Um, there was something, um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, no, go. The one client I was talking to, she told me about, it's called, um, I'm looking at it right now. She sent me the Amazon link, uh, Empowered uh, Lucy Outdoor. It's an inflatable solar light. Um, yeah. So it only, let me see how much it was. I think it was only like a couple of ounces. So it's very, very light. And I have one. Just, Do you want me to go get it so we can show it to him? Sure. Because <laughs> it is. It's amazing. Hold on just a sec. okay i'm back okay so what it is is it's an inflatable so it's flat so it doesn't take up that much space it's not heavy which is all things that you want in your bag so that you know the lighter it is the longer you can track with it if you need to um so what it is is you inflate it and it is solar powered. So as long as the solar, it's in direct sun for seven hours, I believe it is, then it, you know, recharges up to 12 hours and it's a light. Uh, so you don't have to like carry a lantern or anything like that. It floats so you can put it in, you know, water or whatever They're you really want. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And so it recharges itself by using the sun. So, you know, it's not something you have to keep buying batteries for or anything like that. Um, but and those, uh, each of them, like on Amazon, you can get it for fourteen ninety five. And I was reading some of the reviews and stuff, and there was somebody who was in another country, and uh, there was like four hundred and seventy seven reviews, and it got a four point six out of a five. And um, they said that you know, as a gift, they went ahead and gave it to the indigenous people where they were at. I think they were. Um, you know, in another country on a, like a hiking type thing or whatever, but they ended up giving it to the people cause they were just so amazed by it. <laughs> so, um, they are the coolest thing ever. 
<laughs> I mean, I mean, they really are. They're the coolest thing ever. I mean, if you, if you, you know, your kid might destroy it, but they're not going to burn themselves on it. There's no chance of starting a fire. You don't have to have batteries, so you're not going to have, con uh, you know, toxic gick that you're putting into landfills from it. It just has the little. Can you see it? Yeah. It just has like this a flat solar, solar thing. Yeah. Right on the top. And and it's just that. And it has these little buttons on it. And it it is the coolest thing ever. That is awesome. I know. When she was telling me about that, I'm like, man, it's another thing I want to get. <laughs> yeah. It, it, they are just the most amazing thing ever. I I... I have two of them <laughs> and, and they are, they are having something like that is amazing. Cause yeah, you don't have to worry about batteries or anything or trying to light a match and stuff. Oh, I mean, or if you're using fire to like cook food and stuff like that, but if it's just to have light and then you yeah. can turn it off right away and you know, cause it does have a button on it for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That and it is has different colors. So it's something where, you know, if, if it needed to be like a flare or something, you could set it on the back of your, car and some of them they do they have like a little sos i don't know if this one has it but they have like a little sos setting so that it'll actually blink on and off to get people's attention they're they're That's, amazing i think it's you know the more technology go, you know gets advanced and everything like that the more people think of things that you know yeah so it's, it's, it's actually it's one of those things that's good um mm -hmm. So those are all things for like a 72 hour kit. Um, so th there's different kinds of bug out bags. Um, like Julie was talking about, you know, if you're in say Ohio, um, I thought it was very funny because, uh, I lived out in Texas for three years and the first year I lived there, um, a friend and I were, were actually driving from Texas to Ohio and it was the first time they'd ever been in Ohio or anything. And their mom told them, you know, make sure you, you pack candles and, you know, uh, uh, chains to go around your, your tires and all this stuff. And I thought it was funny because, like, just growing up and living in Ohio. Well, I was born in Oklahoma, but, you know, most of my life living in Ohio, um, I, I never even thought about any of those things, you know, because I didn't live in the country either, you know. Um, once Derek and I got married and we live out in the country – now I understand the change on the tires and, you know, how bad the roads get during the winter time. You know, I just lived in yeah. town. So, um, but yeah, so if you're, it totally depends on the weather and everything. So like Julie was saying, you know, if it's the desert, you want to make sure you have water, like more water. Um, so if you're in a cold place like Ohio, having candles would be great. Um, there's a huge misconception that in order to keep warm, if you drink alcohol, it keeps your body warm, but doesn't it like thin out your blood and it's actually worse if you drink, like if you got caught in a snowstorm or something? Um, if you were caught in a snowstorm, the reason you wouldn't want to be drinking would be that you would be, you, you know, you're already going to have a tendency if you get cold enough that you're going to want to go to sleep. And so you need to keep your wits about you in a snowstorm. Yeah. Um, you know, it can be used as a stimulant, like a medicinal stimulant, as far as like making you more comfortable, I guess, if, if you had got really cold, but as far as like it actually keeping you warm, it, it's not going to keep you warm. It's going to give right. you a slight illusion of warmth, but right. mostly it's just going to make you muddle headed. Okay. I thought that there was something about it thinning your blood or maybe not. Um, I just remember, uh, 
I was told like never have alcohol like if you get caught in a storm or like if you're caught in your car or something like that and so mm-hmm. I I figured it was for those purposes but but yeah so um it is definitely a good idea to keep something in your car uh no matter what um you get a flat tire and you're out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> you know um it's just good to have, you know, certain things that are good. And you were talking well, about um, toilet paper and stuff. Well, I, I guess, I guess for me that the, for instance, there's only been a couple of times that I've had to get into my emergency kit that's in the back of my car. But one of them was that I, I was working in one area of town. My family lived in another part of town. My car broke down halfway there. And because I, it, it was summer, but it was nighttime in the summer and it gets, it can get down into the forties here in the, in the summer at night. And all I had was my work uniform, but I, I got into my emergency pack in the back. I grabbed out my husband's wool sweater that was bigger than mine and I put on a wool cap and I just walked home rather than having to wake him up at one o'clock in the morning to come get me. I was only a couple blocks from home. The car had broken down. It wasn't a big deal. I locked the car. I walked home. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's, I don't know. It just, you know, you can't carry everything with you as a contingency, but if you have stuff with you, you can, you can use them. Um, as far as toilet paper and stuff like that, um, it, I, I don't know. I, I do think that the perfect bug out bag 72 hour kit is just one that you would take camping that if you had everything to camp. So obviously if you were camping, you take toilet paper and you take a little trowel so that you could bury your waste. Um, You'd want to have some painkillers. If you have a tendency towards allergies, you want to make sure you have Benadryl in your pack. If you have astigmatism of some kind and usually you wear contacts, it would be a good idea to have a, 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 an extra pair of glasses, of eyeglasses in your pack. You know, it's um, funny that you're saying that because um, sometimes I'll watch movies and like they go through like uh, those life scenarios where they're in trouble and that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, man, they never show like, you know, that person has to go to the bathroom. Like, what are they going to do? Or, you know, what if that person had contact? Like, I think about that because I wear contacts. And so I'm just, I'm always like, you know, man, if you were in that situation, what if you had contacts and you didn't have, you know, because I slept in my contacts once when I was in, and, and I really mean once, because I slept in it when I was in college and, uh, I got pink eye from it. And, um, like my eyes were just so irritated and they got, I think it was pink eye, but like my eyes just got, well, I mean, they got all pink and everything like that. And it, yeah. was, it wasn't from anything else. Um, yeah. it, it just, cause I have really dry eyes, so I have to, you know, take my contacts out. I can never be one of those who sleep in my contacts at all. Right. Um, so I've actually thought about that sometimes, you know, um, we, we've been on trips before and, uh, you know, when we were driving across the United States to California, uh, there was a lot of times that I just went ahead and kept my glasses on because, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, just in case. Well, so <laughs> and, and having something that's a little less fussy, a little less invasive um, it is wise. You know, if you have kids, have an extra couple six diapers in there have some wet wipes the wet wipes are an amazing thing for hygiene not mm-hmm. just for babies but for people if you don't have any water or your drinking water is very limited having wet wipes in your pack are so much better than just having like the alcohol that you put in your palm and rub because it actually takes physical dirt off and then after the wet wipe takes the physical dirt off then you can use the little hand sanitizer stuff mm-hmm. um 
but what are some other things? Always have an extra pair of underwear. I like to have enough for the full three days, so a pair of underwear for each day, a pair of socks for each day. That way, if your feet get wet, you have some dry socks to put back on. Have several plastic garbage sacks, like three plastic garbage sacks in your pack because if it starts to rain, you can just poke holes in the garbage sack and it'll keep you drier than any raincoat. Um, mm -hmm. And... Uh, Let's see, what are some other things? Anything that you have, try to have it be non-perishable, not smelly, and uh, something that's dried, maybe, that you, like trail mix is a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, they have the MREs that you can get that are from like the Army Surplus stores. Those, they, they're not delicious, and a lot of times they'll upset your stomach because they are very highly processed. Um, so I would almost say whatever you put in your back, your pack make sure you've tried it that you like what it tastes like and that it doesn't make your stomach upset because a lot of the commercial preparations that are for that kind of thing highly highly processed and preserved lots of salt um and and so i would almost lean towards something like granola bars and raisins and trail mix and um you know that kind of stuff that your body's already used to yeah if that makes sense or like fruit yeah or Could you or do like, like apples and stuff fruit? like that yeah yeah if you've got and and you can make them a lot cheaper than you can buy them if you've got a dehydrator which is something we need to talk about on one of these other things is the waste of process because when you process it yourself it doesn't have all all the extra sugars and the sulfates and everything that they have to put into it to keep it stay uh shelf stable if you buy it in the grocery store like the cost of making like a huge thing of jerky or a huge thing of uh, apple slices or banana chips or whatever is like pennies, whereas you're paying, you know, for a little package like this, you're paying 12 bucks at the yeah. grocery store. Mm -hmm. um, so, so food, water, sanitary of, uh, you know, contingent for whoever's in your family. I like to make a little bug out bag for my kids that has crayons and a little toy in it and maybe a storybook so that they they have something that is kind of a security blanket for them and that they can get into without having to get into your pack mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah and and we change our packs out every six months so for summer we're putting in sunscreen and long sleeve shirts and a ball cap in winter we've got wool caps wool sweaters um and that kind of thing for winter we do always have a fire starter not just matches a, an actual like lighter is much more predictable than matches yeah and a couple stubby little candles because a lot of times if you are having a hard time getting a fire started having something like a candle where the wax itself is melting and helping with the fire to get started having something like that um, seems to work better than some of those more expensive, like chunky fire starter stuff that you get. Just a little wax candle works really well. Okay. Well, those are all very, very good, helpful tips. <laughs> I do know that, you know, during the winter time here, I would always keep, um, a blanket and an extra sweatshirt. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's right around those mornings where I'd walk out to the car and I'm like, oh man, it is too cold. Like where it's actually yeah. it's starting to get to the weather where when you wake up in the morning, you have to wear a coat. You know, even if by the end of the day, it's so hot that there's, you're like, man, I really had to wear a coat this morning. It's crazy, you right. know? Um, but that, 
sweatshirt has helped me several times and that's actually just with everyday life. Um, so, um, and I know that I usually say, you know, don't hold on to anything unless you know that you're absolutely going to use it, but you have to, with emergencies, you have to, uh, make exceptions, you know, with things that could help save your life, you know, or could help you in an emergency. Those are definitely ones that I wouldn't really hold true to that, you know, because you don't know mm-hmm. that if you're absolutely going to have to use, you know, um, stuff out of your bug out bag, but it's, it's good to have it for sure. So, well, and if you've got, if you go camping a lot, just consider it your camping pack. I mean, yeah, it, you're, you're not going out and I, I don't think that a 72 hour kit should be made out of specialty items. You can, you can put it together out of household items and it doesn't have to be a special hootie duty $300 backpack. Right. Um, I got mine for 30 bucks and it was just fine. It's a hiking backpack, but I found it at the right store. A lot of times you can go to a thrift store and put a lot of this stuff together. Um, for like, you know, $5, you can get a new outfit that looks really tacky, but everything is the right size and, and you can put it in the pack. It, you're not going out and buying like Under Armour and stuff like that unless, right. you know, unless you're a, a hiking guy that this is really what you love to do and you've already got the gear let it be stuff that you go and get from the secondhand store because um you don't want to be spending 300 bucks on this pack right with with all the stuff in it and everything it it needs to just be stuff you you can collect from your house absolutely all right well thank you very much everybody for uh listening um we do have our topic for next time i would definitely say uh we're going to be putting up um a picture on instagram that kind of has to do with you know whatever the episode that's coming out um like i I put one about the pickles because last uh episode we went ahead and i was asking her questions about canning pickles and that kind of stuff these would definitely be the pictures to go ahead and comment on if you wanted to comment anything about the podcast if you had any questions for either of us if you had any suggestions for you know let us know what you guys want to hear so you can either do that on our facebook which is uh jills of all trades podcast um or on our instagram which is jills of all trades podcast as well um And then we have our website, of course, if you guys wanted to listen to us on there. We have the YouTube. So we have a lot of different outlets and stuff. Um, As always, I would love to stress this. If you guys like listening to us, please share it with somebody. So then it can be something you guys can talk about. (laughs) Or something you guys want to plan together. Anything that we talk about. Um, So uh, my YouTube is Country Crafts and... Julie's is, or Julianne's is uh, Dirt Patch Patch Heaven, Heaven. Mm -hmm. and it's spelled with one H. Um, So I hope everybody has a wonderful week, and uh, just make sure that you guys are sober and vigilant, like the Lord says, and I think that, you know, (laughs) a lot of things will follow suit, you know, and this will definitely be one of them. So guys, have a a very great day, and thank you very much for listening. (laughs) See ya. Bye.